Um, this is our first podcast. I know. The fact that we've, like, every night been like, we're going to do a podcast <laughs> tomorrow. And then it's, like, midday. Well, I'm also it's like, do you want to do a podcast tonight? And then it's, like, 11 p.m. We're both, like, in a bad mood. <laughs> like, the day has just been too long by that point. We've been angry at someone. Yeah. Yeah, someone already pissed us off yeah. that night. Too much. Shockingly. To have a, a reasonable... A conversation that we can share. Right. <laughs> Instead of just, like, a vent sesh. So yeah, look at us. We should yeah. have like a safe word, like a safe word. Yeah, like we don't like we want to stop. Like that's not the topic. Oh, okay. You know, like if you want to bring up a venting thing, and it's like like don't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, what should the word be? I think a word we don't use often. I know, that's why I took that. I was going to say that too. Absolutely (laughs) not. Marigold. Yeah, I never use that word. How do you feel about the. I don't know, I'm kind of upset about the coffee. Yeah. You want to talk about it? I don't know. Yeah, I do want to talk about it. Because I was so hopeful. Like, I literally thought that was going to make my mornings. Like, Help me get up. I bought two things. Yeah. The curtain thing that opens my blinds automatically, which this morning I literally thought you did. Why? I don't know. Even though they're timed. But for some reason this morning I was like, what? You thought I came in and like tried to wake you up by opening your blinds? Yes. (laughs) And I was super confused. And then... I was like, oh no. Because like, I don't hear the sound. There's like a really distinct sound that now, whenever I hear it, I feel more alert. Okay. I feel like that's it. Super Pavlovian. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm up. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is this coffee thing that heats and froths. It was like decently expensive. Not like, I'm not upset enough to return it. Right. And I also think I'm not doing something right. Okay. Why? What? What is the reality of it versus what you imagined it to be? I think it's exactly what I imagined. It's just so much more frothy. It is really frothy. But that might be on you. You might be putting too much milk in. So I looked online and it was like, don't put that much milk in. Yeah. But if don't put a lot of milk. No, sorry. Put a lot of milk. Oh. Like a minimum is bad. Hmm. Well, maybe it heats up faster. I mean, it's only been one day. It's like you can't return a dog after one day. It's the same thing. No. Also, I feel like maybe it would make more sense in mugs. I got these cups special, but okay. You got these cups special for the froth? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then but they work for the froth. We'll take that from you. Also, like the, I feel like the fun in froth is supposed to be that you drink it Straight, not a, not with a straw. Right, I know. So you kind of fucked yourself here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. <laughs> that tends to be the situation, though, like, nine out of ten times. What's the most disappointing purchase you've made in the past year? Um, 
don't think of things like that because I won't return anything, so I won't accept things as disappointing. Me too. I just, like, come to terms with it. I, ref- I cannot remember Never a time I've ever returned anything, ever, in my whole lifetime. I just make get used out of it. Yeah, or I give it away, or I convince myself that at some point it will need me and I'll need it. Yes. I can't stash it in the back. Yeah, it's kind of like my <clears throat> radical acceptance of losing things. How, like, I lose things, and then no matter how much value they hold, I immediately, I'm like, well, it's gone. Like, well, it's gone. Yeah. Which is which is why... Before you've been looking for it. Before you've been looking for it sometimes. So it has started to backfire a little bit. Slightly. Because twice now... Twice in the past two months have I thought that I lost my credit card and canceled my credit card. One time it was in my coat pocket. The other time it was in my purse. No, it magically appeared from your purse. It did magically appear from my purse. I really I, believe it, too. I do, too, because I shook that bag to its core. I was watching. Core. And then for the one second I wasn't watching, like the one time I could have witnessed. Neither of us were Right. Yeah. It was the crystals. 100%. Yeah. So that was a cool magic moment. But it does help me when serious things break. I've, mm-hmm. But I've also been told from, like, boyfriends and friends and, and people close to me that not only do I take it too far by not looking for it first, but by taking less care of my valuable things because I've detached myself from the sentimental value of them under the assumption that I'll probably lose them. Wow. Like a deep, deep thought. Yeah. I take care of all my things, but I also know I can lose them. Not that I could lose my car. I mean, I guess I could. My exception, though, of like the opposite of what you were talking about, in which I take too good care of something, is my car, though, which too has been like many my friends and boyfriends criticize. Yeah, well, walk me through that because I don't think I've ever really understood why your car is not... Like, we're on opposite sides of the spectrum. Yes. And so just walk me through why the car is such a specific thing for you. Because people take care of their cars. Right. But yours is, like, there are very specific tendencies. Like... Can I mention one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you picked me up in Westport, and I closed the trunk, and you were like, can you please pull that thing down? That's because I can't see out the back with it. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, so go ahead. Yeah, that one is just, like, a bad car design situation, in which I've many a times been on the road where that thing flings up, and I cannot see out the back window. Oh, that's terrifying. Um, It is terrifying. I can't really think of, I mean, I think the best example that encapsulates how anal I am about my car is the fact that I will, like, provide snacks that don't smell in order for people to not have the urge to get smelly snacks. Okay, because you don't want the car to smell. Yeah. So, my ex was like that, Mm -hmm. and when we picked up food, we couldn't put food in the car, we had to put it in the trunk. Because and I wouldn't even want it in the trunk. So, so what would you do with it? What kind of food? Like anything, pizza, food, Mexican, Chinese, any type oh, of not, food. I mean, if we you're picked going to up, pick up. Well, it's not a huge issue because we live in New York City. But like when we were 
renting a house for COVID, um, I obviously like was putting shit in my car, but I'd open the windows. There's like ventilation in my car and I would do like all the windows down and put the ventilation on. So as a chef though, how is that, has that been a problem for you? Because have you made food and have had to bring it places and then like it smells? Like where is this fear coming, stemming from? Um, the fear is stemming from one time my dad got this, the car cleaned to be nice when I was like a kid for our whole family, for a family car. And he got it like, um, smell bombed. And my mom hated the smell. Like it was like air freshener on steroids. Okay. And it never left the car. And so I think that's where the smell thing comes from. Did you like the smell? I have no idea. But you just know that your mom had like an extreme aversion to oh, it. Oh my god. Extreme aversion is like an understatement. <laughs> but then it's like other things like people asking to bring items that are really bulky that like then I'm scared the window. Like it'll break a window or like you know. Yeah. Which I I don't think yeah, those which, things are crazy, though. I don't think they're crazy, Lily, but I don't think that a lot of people think about them. But I don't think that's good. That people don't think about them. Yeah. Perhaps. I would give a, I would give a specific example, but it's, like, too specific. Okay. Like, if somebody heard it, they would know. So I can't do that. So I'll just, like use the example of, like, I bought a weight one time. Okay. And I was, like, so scared putting it in my car, and my dad, like, um, used something to make sure it wouldn't move. But I think that's correct. Like, you yeah. use a bungee cord. Like, that. your car has those things implemented into it for a reason. So I don't think it's so crazy that I don't want things packed to the brim. No. It's not crazy, but... It's not crazy that you want those. Those are the things that you want to have. Right. The whole thing is, like... I do think it's less... It's my space. Yeah. And it feels like the one thing I could be like, no, it's mine, and you can't... You cannot have a say about it. Okay. Because I just decided that that's the thing I'm going to do that with. That is fair. Because some people are like that with everything, and you're not like that with everything. So to have one thing that you're specific about... And it feels like it's a valuable thing. Yeah. It's a resale thing. It's a, you know, like there's many different logical explanations that I can give myself to validate my having control over that. There's so many things that I don't have control over and have accepted that I don't have control over. And like, I'm, although I have legitimate OCD, I am rather unspecific about most things, but one thing I am specific about is if someone sleeps over and sleeps in my bed and makes my bed, I will remake it. I'm very specific about how my bed is made, like very specific down to down to a T, down to the way, the exact way that the throw blanket is folded at the bottom of the bed, exactly that it's tucked in in certain areas, like the, the organization of the pillows, the organization of any kind of, like, stuffed animals or anything, 
Like, if someone makes a bed and it looks nice, like, I will remake it. And it's... Do you I'm, appreciate it, though? I really appreciate it. Okay. And I, then I feel guilty afterward. No. But I have to do it. Yeah. You're valid, but, like... And I do feel like people make the bed for the gesture to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. More so for the task... More so than for the task to be done. 200%. So, as long as you thoroughly appreciate the task... I feel like people don't mind you remaking it or redoing it. I agree. They're not like, I love it that way. Please don't touch it. It's like, it's not your bed. Yeah. That was just you being nice. So what's your process? Oh, so... Not that I'll try to make your bed like this. I just... Yeah, so... um, Okay, so top sheet. You like the top sheet? Yes. So would you prefer a top sheet? No. Okay. I don't prefer one. Okay. It's just part of my bed. Mm-hmm. And it's always going to be part of my bed. It does not bother me not having one on other people's beds. If you moved, would you need a top sheet? Or is it this house, this bed? No, if I, I would need a top sheet no matter where I went. Okay. My mom is also, like, very... I'm also, like, a huge germaphobe. And I feel like... So I clean things often. I feel like I have to clean the comforter and the top stuff less often if I have a top sheet because then I can just pull the sheets off opposed to my body touching the comforter and other people's bodies touching the comforter. Interesting. Yeah. So my process is top sheet. If it has a pattern on it, it has to be facing down. So if it has like oranges on it, which I oranges on my sheet, then like the oranges are facing oranges, fabric, front facing fabric on front facing fabric. And then... I put some sort of other blanket in the winter on top of that and then put my comforter on top of that and then I pull the top sheet over the edge of the comforter so that it has, but it has to be like perfect, perfectly proportionate, um, folded over this the top of it and then I put four pillows together. Does it matter what order the pillows are in? Just in the order that I sleep on them. Me too. And then, yeah, and then I throw out my decorative pillows, and then I have this, like, orange quilted blanket that I fold in a certain way. Like, I fold it over twice in so that it's a long rectangle, and then the open part, I tuck in between my footboard or whatever, like, the opposite of the headboard. I tuck that in so that you can't see any open edges, and then I, like, fold it over the top. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not exciting. Oh, and my sheets have to be tucked under my mattress. I cannot do that. Really? I hate the feeling of that, like, getting into a bed like that. I undo it. But you like the look of it. But I like the look of it. That's super darling. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about how, like, whenever I go to a rental home... I will redo everything in the house, like, aesthetically, as much as I can on a certain budget to make it what I like. Okay. Like, if they have bedding that's, like, too eclectic for me, like, too many colors, I just try to find something white. If, like, if you're renting something long-term. A month. I mean, right. Like, if it's a week, debatably, I could still do that. Really? Debatably. I mean, like, 
more likely I will bring my own thing. So this is something, if we ever live together, this is actually something I've been thinking about. Okay. If we ever did live together, we have very different interior design styles. And I, well, I don't know what that's based on. Re, no, I, no, I really like, well, I really like the way that your current apartment is. I don't. But I'm, but I'm really colorful. I don't mind color. Okay. It's just that I was given a lot of neutral things that didn't match. Okay. this is a mix, this is a divorce home, basically. This is like the, the furniture from divorce that could not go anywhere else. Okay. So there's a lot of neutrals that don't, shouldn't be together. Okay. And the only way I could make sense to fix that was to add more neutrals that didn't make sense. Okay. Color felt like too aggressive. No, I I agree. But this is not what I would choose. Okay. For myself. Okay. Yeah. Except my bedroom. My bedroom is like, no. I would never put color in a bedroom. That's fair. But that's it. That's fair. I have, hmm. There's X amount I need neutral. But after that, I would. I think it'd probably be happier with color. Like, especially green, because I love green. I love green, too. Like, like I don't have to paint that green. green. And then everyone vetoed it. Oh, I love the idea of painting that green. Me, too. But, like, literally no one accepted that. As if anybody's listening, it's like a liquor cabinet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, and I put these little chili, like, um, handles on it that I got antique, like, I was Wait. so excited about this concept. What? But Who vetoed it? Many a human. Many a human. Who introduced you to pistachio milk? A coffee shop downtown that I'm not currently aware of the name of. Okay. I love it. Wait, where do you get it though? You have to order it online. Yeah. I order it. Do they have it on Amazon? No. I literally order pistachio milk from this company. And I get, like, six bottles at a time. Well, yeah. I feel like as you should. This has changed my life, the pistachio milk. And now I have a hard time living without it. But I only have access to it when I'm at your apartment. Yeah. So I've been grappling with that. I get that. Also, when did you start putting maple syrup in your coffee? The same time. Because I used to drink my coffee black. Yeah, me too. And then this is the only time I won't. Like, if I'm at any other coffee shop, if it has... Mm, that's not true. There's one other coffee shop. I'll get a latte. Everywhere else, I will get it black. I'll either get black iced coffee or I'll get um, an iced cappuccino. Like, I love cappuccinos over ice. Is it milk and cappuccino? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. But there's not sweetener unless you add it mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah, I don't know, the pistachio milk thing, like, was such an intense experience to a point where I couldn't find it accessibly, and so I made it. I don't know if you ever saw my story that night, but, like, I felt so desperate for my coffee to have this pistachio milk (laughs) that I literally homemade it. That's crazy. What'd you do? You used a milker? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I got a milk bag, cheese cloth, pistachios, dates, and like made fucking pistachio milk. Dates go into making your own milk? 
Yeah. I mean, or sugar, but, like, I, like, I liked the idea. And it was good. It did the job. But it was, like, at that moment that I knew, like, this was a deep part of my life. Okay. That's fair. Okay, speaking of dates. Yeah. This reminds me. As I go back to my time as a waitress, which I hope no restaurants listen to this podcast because I still want you to hire me if I need a side job. But I was a good people person. So people didn't care necessarily whether or not I was a good waitress because I was so accommodating and I was so like good at making people feel comfortable and welcome. And, but they got really mad at me one time because this woman said that she was allergic to mayonnaise. And then I gave her these bacon wrapped dates. And then I said to the chef, oh, no aioli on the bottom because she's allergic to mayonnaise. And he was like, well, then she can't have these at all because they, I mix in. So the dates were stuffed with goat cheese. Okay. And I guess he mixed the goat cheese with mayonnaise, which I, that I would not that have been sick. Yeah. But that I would not have known. Um, so my point being, no, 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 what was on me is that I didn't know there was goat cheese in the dates whatsoever. And this was like too long into me waitressing for me not to know that there were goat cheese in the dates. But Pete, like the bacon wrapped dates were like bacon wrapped dates because I didn't know there were goat cheese in the dates and it does say it on the menu. But it doesn't say mayonnaise. No, it doesn't say mayonnaise. The mayonnaise wasn't the problem. The woman did not have an allergic reaction. It was just that I was having a conversation with the chef, and the chef was like, how do you not know that there's goat cheese in the dates? Like, it's on the menu. And I was like, you're right. Like, I stand down. I should have known that. But it had never come up before because people read the menu themselves, and I knew the menu items, and I knew mostly how everything was made. But I never never tried the bacon-wrapped dates because I'm a vegetarian. Right. So I didn't know that they had goat cheese inside of them. I don't feel like that's your fault. I feel like maybe I, I'm. No, I was supposed to know the menu, but. So I know the back side of restaurants because I think we mentioned that I'm a chef. Yes. We, okay. Maybe. I don't know if we mentioned that. I don't know either, but. She's a chef. Yeah, and I went to culinary school, so I do know, like, I understand health codes and everything like that. And allergies. Allergy precautions. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, I don't feel like you did anything wrong because it is the chef's job to know where the allergen is. If you didn't say mayonnaise and you were just like, no aioli, I could see the issue. But But you did say mayonnaise. No, but then he was like, Okay, so she can't have mayonnaise, she can't have the inside either. But then, but that was hit for him. Yeah, for him, but then he was mad that I didn't know. But that's, that's a, no. I appreciate you validating me, but I do feel that I was wrong in that situation. (laughs) Maybe I just don't get it, but like, 
or you're supposed to know every ingredient. Like, yeah. recipes are so intricate. They are. I bet I was supposed to know every ingredient. That's insane to me. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> like, every per- How could you memorize every single thing? I guess if it was on the menu, I was supposed to know it. And goat cheese was on the menu. It said that it had, they, were, that they had goat cheese in them. But that's that. I mean, I'm not a waitress there anymore. <laughs> I don't know why. It was probably not just the goat cheese, but... Why is it your job to know what's on the menu? What's that noise? Oh, it's the laundry. Will it stop eventually? Eventually. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. So, wait, what I was telling you earlier is that my friend keeps getting stuck in elevators. Yeah. It's this one elevator. I wouldn't go in it. But it's in her building, and she's on the 43rd floor. I would never live on the 43rd floor. I would never live on the 43rd floor either. Like, that ever. Shit scares me so much. You can feel her building rocking when it's really windy. There's no, It's so bad. But they keep getting stuck in the elevator, but they have no choice unless they want to walk down 43 flights of stairs. No, there's like four, but I think they all keep getting stuck. And the other day, they got stuck in there for like an hour. And then, I know... And then now she's been stuck in it twice since then. And I don't understand why they can't figure this out. But my question for you is, one, are you scared of elevators slash getting stuck in them? And two, if you are scared of getting stuck in elevators, is it because you are claustrophobic or because you're scared of the elevator falling Elevators don't fall. That's a myth. Really? Yes. I'm pretty sure. I am. I'm not scared of elevators. I have, but I got stuck in the elevator for two and a half hours <gasps> one time. So, if anyone like is joke, and it was because my friend was jokingly jumping. <gasps> so I will not be in an elevator with jump like jumpy. Like, everyone should just be standing in an elevator. I just feel like that's yeah. crazy. So, but I'm, like, I don't think about it often unless people are, like, moving around. I'm going to turn that off. Okay. Oops. Well, I'll keep telling you about this. Okay. So, I was in the elevator with, like, three of my friends. We were not sober. And we called my parents, who are divorced, and end up having a fight and forgetting to call the fire department. So me and my three friends are, I'm the only one freaking out, though, somehow. Like, everybody else (laughs) is thinking this is so funny, and I'm like, Maybe part of me knew they were, like, fighting and we were just never going to get out of there. Like, and then finally, like, the fire department came and it was just, like, holy crap. Like, what the, that was so many hours. That's brutal. I don't even get, like, how the building, how no one else called. Like, how was the building functioning? Right, if the elevator wasn't working. Right. Like, I do feel like, obviously, my parents should have called 
But I'm also like, how did no one else notice? It was like 7 p.m. Why? Because you called them your parents and your parents said they would what call the apartment building or call yeah, I don't whatever. Know why I couldn't <laughs> call the fire department. I guess because you assumed that they were going to. Yeah, but it's like why couldn't I just do it? Except I don't like I don't like calling people. So obviously I wasn't about to like call the fire department and be like, we're stuck in an elevator. But I guess I don't really know how I feel about calling people. Actually before we move on that because that's a whole other conversation so that really is so and we should get into that i don't like being in crowded elevators for a couple different reasons one is because the idea of being stuck in an elevator really would only suck if i really had to pee right or if i was really really hungry or if it smelled bad or if there were a lot of people but like if i was alone or with like two or three people that's fine if I'm in a crowded elevator and I can't sit and, like, everybody squeezes in the elevator and, and it stops, the amount of germs that would circulate in the air really freaks me out. I am very claustrophobic. Not very, but I'm claustrophobic. And also because I had a traumatizing experience that, and I won't get into the whole story here, but that I was in the back of an elevator there was like 11 people in the elevator and 11 people in one elevator yeah it was like a huge elevator in Miami oh okay and this girl that I was friends with at the time was in the front of the elevator and she was drunk and she was wearing really high heels and she went to step out of the elevator and her heel got caught in the like exit and she fell and she broke her ankle and she was selfish and a bitch and so she couldn't take responsibility for being drunk and not being able to walk in heels so she said that I pushed her and broke her ankle and so now I never know where to position myself in an elevator because even though I know it's a totally irrational fear I'm always like, I never want to be responsible for someone like falling on their way out and like somehow I'm held responsible. So I try to stand on the side or like near the front, but I don't want to be too close to the front. It just like stresses me out. It's something that stresses me out that I think about every time I get into an elevator that has a couple people in it that like really should not be a situation. Yeah. I. So I don't think about my position in an elevator, but I do like kind of read the vibe of the elevator like if there are people that I wouldn't want to get like definitely for sure if I'm getting into an elevator it's like because I would be okay I'd be okay I wouldn't be great but like with the people in that elevator okay so you read the room Mm -hmm. sometimes like I can't think that deep because I'm like running late or something like I definitely have been one-on-one with people and been like this would be miserable that still comes to mind yeah but I don't think of my position have you started to walk in an elevator and taken it back and been like, oh, I won't go. Actually, no. Uh, what? I feel like I've seen you do that. Walk in and then see that there's, like, more people? Well, actually, like, I guess it's more so that you think there are too many people in the elevator. Oh, yeah, I'll say no. Yeah. If someone's like, yeah, come here, we can squeeze. I'm like, if we can squeeze, like, I'm not, I'm not squeezing. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to squeeze forever. That's true. Possibly. Are you claustrophobic? No. I want to know where claustrophobia comes from. 
because my mom is so claustrophobic. And then my Oma, who's my grandma on my dad's side, is also so claustrophobic. And it's very interesting because neither the things that they're claustrophobic about are very similar. Like, if we're sitting at a dinner table, neither my Oma or my mom can face the wall. Like, they have to be facing the other way because otherwise they get really claustrophobic. Wow. Um, or both of them have to have the windows open in the house or, like, the, the blinds and curtains open because the idea of, like, not being able to see past the house and, like, see that there's an outside as an option makes them claustrophobic, even regardless of the fact that they both have plenty of space in their homes and they're on the first floor. They need to be able to see that there is an outside available. And it's, so it's actually an anxiety disorder because of like feeling like you can't escape. Okay. It tends to be the place it stems from. So I wonder I wonder where that comes from. I mean, my Oma was in Holland during World War II and spent a lot of time hiding and like her brothers used to hide under the floorboards in their house um so maybe like the idea of that made her so claustrophobic yeah she's not she's never talked about the the correlation between the two but i feel like that could be part of it yeah i think that makes a ton of sense it's very interesting i'm like kind of the opposite in the sense of like not the opposite i mean i like to have freedom to roam where I please, but when I was a kid, like, my parents would not put a lock at my door because we lived in a pre-war building, and it was, like, just too expensive to redo the door, yeah. door frame. So my solution, this is, like, a real thing, was to slam the door so hard that it would get stuck <laughs> when I didn't want anyone to come near into my room. And, like, so I would, not out of anger. Yeah. Always. Like, sometimes out of anger, and then I would get stuck, and then I would be like, get me out, please. <laughs> Other times it was, like, I was fully prepared to be in that room. Like, brought snacks, brought water. Okay. I had a bathroom in my room, and I was like, okay, now it's coming in, slams it, and then my, so selfishly, like, my super would have to get me out. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like, stuck. If you, how often do you do this? Not here. Yeah, but how often? Whenever I needed to be by myself. I never was allowed to have... Not... Okay, not never allowed. This was interesting. I didn't have locks on... When we moved into our house, it did not have locks on any of the doors, even the bathroom doors. Um, It almost looked as if the locks had been removed, and the only locks on any door, bathroom, or bedroom is is the master bedroom and the master bathroom. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that, like, a family with kids lived there beforehand and, like, didn't want their kids to lock themselves in, which makes sense. But then I would always complain to my mom about the fact that I didn't have a lock on the door. And she'd always be like, then go then go get a new doorknob with a lock and put it on the door. And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, Why? Because I didn't want to do it myself. I didn't know how to do it. 
Oh, I I would have been like, okay, I will. I know. But my also, whole door, I would have fixed my whole door frame if somebody allowed me but to. But also, I wasn't allowed to lock doors. Like, I wouldn't have been allowed to lock myself in that room even if I had a lock on the door. So I think my mom told me that because she would, she knew that I would have never actually gone ahead and done it, especially as, like, a kid. Um, as a teenager, maybe. But then by that point, I just didn't really care that much. Um... Because I feel like the whole lock on the door thing was more so because I would, like, be on my eye touch when I wasn't supposed to be past bedtime or, like, whatever I was doing in my room that I wasn't allowed to be doing as a kid. And then once I didn't really have strict rules like that, I was like, I don't really need a lock on the door because my parents will knock. And mine was, like, a studying thing. Like, mine was pre-ADD diagnosis. People were coming into my room. It was too distracting. Like, I could not get shit done. And I wanted to. Mm. And, like, no one would respect that. Like, I needed, I needed to be alone. Peace and quiet. So I'd be like, okay, like, I'm going to do my homework. Slams door. Super would come up when I was done. Would he get pissed off or she? No. We just, like, became really close friends. That's so funny. I never... I mean, I'm sure they did. But I was, like, there since I was three, and, like, I used to sing in the, in the um, lobby, like, every time we walked in, I walked in, I, like, had a new song, and so, like, he just thought I was, you know, that little girl who was, like, singing and sing. That was and so cute. he would, like, sing it to me every time I walked by. Like, even, I see him on the street now, and he still does it to me. Really? Like, yeah. That's so cute. So I think he was just, like... Yeah, that's fair. You know, you like you were wondering why I love Jack Johnson so much. Mm-hmm. So when I was little, I had really bad insomnia, and I would stay up until like crazy hours of the night. So my dad would make me sleep playlists of songs that he thought were gonna help me fall asleep um, or make me tired. And a lot of the songs on that playlist were Jack Johnson, and it didn't really help because it just wasn't going to. Like, I felt like nothing was going to make me sleep better as a child. Um, But instead, my dad would get home late from work, and so sometimes, or a lot of the time, I would go to sleep before he got home and before he started working from home. And so I would just listen. Each night I would listen to the same song and repeat over and over and over again until I learned every single word. And then my dad would come home, and I would walk down the stairs, and I'd sit on the stairs, and I'd sing it to him. Because I was, like, trying to impress him that, like, I memorized all the words to this song that he liked. So, like, I remember they were, like, it was, like, I'm so tired by the Beatles. Because he was, like, trying to get me to be tired. And I would just go down. But a lot of them are Jack Johnson. And now, if I really can't sleep, I do put Jack Johnson on and it does help. Which is ironic because as a child it didn't. So, that's exactly why I'm so confused by that being your favorite artist. is because I associate him so much with sleep. Yeah. So I, and I, that's just in my head, a different category of artist. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, like, I wouldn't ever say the Rolling Stones or the Beatles are my favorite artists or Queen. Like, that's so obvious. Like, I listen to them all the time. I love them. They're just, like, on my bookshelf. Right. I would say Jack Johnson goes there. Okay. My favorite, like, I don't even know if I have a favorite artist. I think it changes, but. I feel like they need, like, some bangers, not, like, things I'm going to fall asleep to. Okay. 
I am. I don't know where that that's not a rule. No, I think that's fair. But it just yeah. For Jack Johnson, for me, I could listen to it any time of the day, any mood I'm in. Sad, happy, excited, sleepy. Excited. Yeah. What do you listen to? Like his more upbeat songs. Like what? Like banana pancakes or like. Which is like, fine. I listen to Doja Cat. Because that's, like, be not... Like well, I guess it's not... Well, I don't listen to it to pump me up. But if I'm in, like, a good mood, sometimes I'll put on his songs. But, like, all at once and Sleep Through the Static are, like, the two songs that will put me to sleep. And... But I, yeah, I will, I really will, anytime, anyplace. He's so comforting to me. I feel like he's, like, the best version of, like, if I could have a third parent, it would be Jack Jones. <laughs> like, I, he's just, like, a warm blanket. It's really interesting. Yeah. I get it. I don't know if I'd want to be, like, a third parent to him. But I don't know who I'd want a third parent. I don't think... have that relationship with him? No, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. But I also think... I don't think of having... Oh, my God. I thought that was gloss. Um, I don't think of having a third parent. I just think of, like, who... If I could, like, have any parent... Like, parent duo. Yeah. No, I, I don't really realistically feel like I would want a third parent. But, um... Okay, so what duo would you have? Um, like Emily Blunt and J and John Krasinski. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is such a good one. I had the Obamas, but I just felt like I don't want the security yeah. aspect mm -hmm. of that, and. Kristen Bell was on the list for a while, but they didn't make the cut. Yeah. And I was like the British dual citizenshipness of that parent partnership. And then the funny Boston, I just, it worked for me. Yeah. They're like in the limelight, they're not in the limelight. Like they're just. Yes. I agree. Or. No, I think that's it. Um, I was gonna say or an an athlete, but I really can't think of an athlete. No, I don't want that. I don't know who I. I feel like Meryl Streep would be like a cool grandmother to have. Um. Or Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton is such a good one. You know, a lot of people say my mom reminds them of Diane Keaton. Like, a lot of people say that, and vice versa. Like, personality or face? Both. Really? Yeah. I think my, I think Diane Keaton is beautiful. Yeah. I think my mom's prettier than Diane Keaton. Your mom is very pretty. But... I do, they do resemble one another. But Diane Keaton is also older than my mother, and she's been older than my mother my whole life. So, like, when I first started seeing Diane Keaton in movies, she was already 
much older. Like, Father of the Bride was, like, the fir- one of the first movies that I saw her in. So then it was, like... You didn't see, like, Baby Boom or, like, Annie Hall? No. Interesting. Yeah. So then that's my representation, my vision in my head of Diane Keaton. And then my mom's is a younger version. So I, I can't really compare the two. But, of course, I'm going to think my mom's prettier for the most part. Maybe not of course, but I feel like I do. Um, but yeah, she gets that a lot. My mom used to get like Cheryl Crow or um, I can see that the woman from Sarah Jessica Parker a lot. Really interesting. I could kind of see that. Sarah does Jessica- everything except the nose. Yeah, the nose and the hair. Yeah, that's like that's the biggest thing to me when I think Sarah Jessica Parker. I think her hair. Yeah. So that's why I couldn't like see it right away. Do you get people that? Do you get like celebrity lookalikes? Yeah, but they're so inaccurate. Like what? Like <laughs> you're gonna laugh because it's just so far off. Okay. When I was working, people would tell me that I looked like Dua Lipa. Yeah, no. 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 I got it multiple times. And then Kelly's mom, Kelly's my business partner, for anybody who's listening, um, her mom sent me a picture the other day and was like, I thought this looked like you. And it was a picture of Dua Lipa. And I was like, that is such a generous, generous, generous compliment, but I cannot see where people are coming from on this. No, me neither. No, I don't look like her. I don't sound like her. I don't. I just don't understand it. I want to think, because you do remind me of somebody I just don't know who. Okay. I mean, not right now. I'm going to, like, take a really long time. Like, here's another thing everyone should know is I'm very competitive. Yes. About things that have not, like, there's no competition right now. Yeah. About me figuring out who you look the most like, but my brain has gone into competition. Like, I will figure out who who you look like. Yeah. Why are you so competitive? I have no idea. Have you always been that way? Yes, except, like, when I was a kid, I was, like, so competitive, and it got, like, so intense that I would, like, start crying and sit out. Like, I wouldn't play any games because I was, like, you know. I am not – okay, actually, I don't know how I would define myself. Well, here's something. Did you play sports growing up? I feel like I've never asked that about you. I played soccer legally, but I never played in games because I always would stop. Interesting. So eventually my parents were like, okay, we're not, we're not doing that. Okay. And I played basketball in middle school and then I danced, but like no one could come to competitions. Okay. Or shows or whatever. And then I sang and again, no one could come. Interesting. Like. And I remember in fifth grade, my choir teacher, I got a lot of solos, and my, whatever, the choir teacher was like, you should sing a song to your brother before he goes to high school in front of, like, at assembly, which is, like, where all the grades meet once a week, blah, blah, blah. And I, like, really didn't want to, but for some reason, I did it. And I was like, no one's coming. Like, I didn't even want my brother to be there, but, like, obviously he had to go. And... (laughs) No one's coming to the school assembly. No. Wait, what's the correlation between competition and 
not have and like not having anybody see you perform. Well, I think it's like even when I was like, I think it's a stage fright thing. Like, is it a, is it a stage fright thing or is it like a like this is what this is something that for me and I don't I'm not saying at all this is for you because I just don't think it is and I don't know if it is. For me, it's like fear of failure or embarrassment or criticism more so than fear of performance so like I was really competitive in sports but when I felt really confident in that sport um when I didn't feel confident in that sport like I can give examples I had this horrible asshole piece of shit lacrosse coach and there's no better way to describe him than that I truly despise him he made me feel so bad about myself on such a constant, constant basis that even though I was good at lacrosse, and I know I was good at lacrosse, he made me feel like I wasn't, and he made a lot of other people feel like I wasn't, and he took that com competitiveness out of me. So, like, when we were at practice, I could be doing really well on like a scrimmage and I think could be doing really well on a scrimmage against the girls on the team who were captains and really good and starters. But like as soon as he took me out and then like didn't put me back in or like switched me with someone in a leading position, then like I would do less well in that role because I would feel so defeated by the fact that I was taken out that I wouldn't be competitive anymore because I was so down on myself. And like the way I was able to gauge my talent was that like during indoor season of lacrosse he wasn't allowed to coach us and during our fall season of lacrosse he wasn't allowed to coach us so we had to have other coaches because spring coach couldn't coach in the fall and I did so much better in those seasons and we would play the same exact teams and the same girls and I would do so well but then in the spring like, I was so terrified and defeated by him that I would, like, fall apart. And I didn't want anybody to come to my games. And But you wanted them to come in the fall. Yeah. See, like, I don't. That was not my issue. Like, because I performed at Carnegie Hall. And then I performed at, like, a fundraiser at Barnes & Nobles in front of, like, 200 like random people was fine was fine mm -hmm. I'm fine in front of random people I just can't like I don't want I did not want my family there I can relate to that and it didn't matter like how good I was why do you think it was your family I have no idea because they weren't not supportive like they are yeah I just like Well, okay, so I, I don't know why this is, like, making me think of this, but, like, when I got my ears pierced, mm -hmm. I, like, want to get my ears pierced so that make my parents go downtown with me. And then it, like, hurt, I guess, more than I thought. And you can, like, my dad was taking a ton of pictures. Like, you could see every moment of me getting my ears pierced. And I remember, like... <laughs> Like, they then doing it and being like, that's not too bad, right? And I was like, no. And you can, like, see on my face, like, I was in pain, but I didn't want to make them feel bad. And so I was like, mom, can we go to the car, please? And 
she was like, okay. And I burst into tears as soon as I got in the car. Um, I don't know how those are correlated for me. Well, I just feel like you don't hear first. I never never cried again. I thought I was in college. I feel like you maybe have a difficulty with vulnerability. Like, being in front of your family makes you feel vulnerable because they can have a lasting impression on you, whereas, like, strangers may never see you again, (laughs) so it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Like, the fact that I had, I could have gotten my ear pierced alone, I couldn't have, I was 12, but... Yeah. 12. But the fact that I had to go into my car and then talk about it was worse than the pain I was feeling. Okay. I was like, I don't want to talk about the fact that I'm in pain, because I'll be over it in five minutes, but now I have to because I'm crying. Okay. That's fair. It's, but it's, like, to me, it's not all lining up. To me, like, if there's no clear picture for me to draw yet, I feel like I need like, to think about it I further. I would always have to talk about that moment. No, I understand what you're saying. I'm just trying to, like, connect the dots between the competitiveness versus saying, vulnerability versus soccer. If I was great at singing or terrible, either way, we were going to be talking about it forever. Okay. And I, well, I don't want that. Yeah, my parents were so in, intense about sports, and they act like they weren't, but they were. And they were not as intense as other people's parents. Like, I remember my friend, like, one of my very good friends in high school, if she didn't score X amount of goals in our lacrosse game, like, we were not allowed to hang out that night. Like, we weren't allowed to have a sleepover. Like, we weren't, like, she was in trouble. she go to, like, an Ivy League. Um, no, but she went to a good school and played like lacrosse for there. Yeah, for lacrosse. Um, but her parents were s- such sweet, gentle, kind people, but they were really intense about that. And her, she had a sister who was, like, good but not as good, and they didn't, they weren't the same way with her. So, but for my parents... They had, but both of her parents were, like, legit athletes, right? Like, her dad had set records at Yale for hockey, and, like, they were very, like, he had, like, the top highest scoring goals ever. So, he, they were very athletic. My parents were, my mom is athletic, and my dad is athletic. My dad was really good at rugby, and my mom was really good at badminton, which is, like, random hard sport but she was really good at it she put they both played it in college and but it wasn't their whole life or like the way that they defined themselves and I don't know why they were strict with us about sports but like I had this basketball coach this personal trainer that I had to work with when I was in eighth seventh and eighth grade and I would have to meet with him at like 6.30 a.m. on Saturday mornings or like 7 a.m. And he would make me do all these intense workouts and he would make me like drink these protein shakes because I was not big enough. And like he was so strict and then he would come to my games and he would videotape them and then he would like watch them back with me. And the thing that's weird is that like and, and then, like, if my parents pretend that they wouldn't make comments, but they would make comments. Like, if I missed a basket, even though neither of them played basketball, they would be like, you need to bend your knees more. You need you to do this more. <laughs> like, remember, like, yeah, exactly. Like, 
remember Todd said this, or remember Todd said that, and that would piss me off, because I'd be like, you never play basketball, like, fine, make someone else teach me, but, like, don't give me your two cents, um, but then at the same time, when I was going to, uh, high school, and this is so em embarrassing, and it ended up not working out, but I couldn't play both basketball and do cheerleading, and I'd only done cheerleading for one year, and I was not good at it, and I did not even really like it that much. But, like, my parents said you have to choose between the two, thinking I would choose basketball, and despite them, I chose cheerleading, mm -hmm. which I ended up not even continuing with. Um, but they let me. Like, I feel like some parents really wouldn't let them. They were mad about it, and they were so disappointed. But they let me and I that's always interesting to me because my parents had a lot of power over me as a child like if they said no it was no if they they said you're playing lacrosse I I did not want to play lacrosse I ended up loving it but they were like you are playing it you do not have a choice like you will go to practice and you will go to your game and that will be the end of it mine was like the opposite okay interesting it was like I want to quit and they're like okay we'll sign you up for something else yeah that was not the way it was for me but my parents just like it wasn't for them it was for me and yeah. I kind of recognize that because I think a lot of people's parents push them in sports for themselves they're trying to relive their dream right. or make it further than they made it have you make it further made than they made it and like for my parents I do truly know it was for me so I can respect it but and it didn't like traumatize me in any way I was way 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 more traumatized by my coaches than I ever were by my parents I mean I just don't have that association with them in sports but they definitely were strict right now that I'm thinking about like why I didn't want people there I think it's because I really wanted to have my own memory of the event like I didn't want it to be skewed mm. by other people telling me what had happened. I don't know what that sounds from. I could take a gander, but I feel like that's a therapy conversation. Okay. Like, but the older I get, and the more I feel like have these memories so independent, the less I want them to be independent. Okay. Like, yesterday was the anniversary of my grandpa's death, and I, like, keep thinking, like, oh, it would have been nice for him to see me, like, do this or do that, and, like, the older I got, the more I was, like, they missed a lot because I just said no. Like, I just had this need for independence, independence of my thinking, of my memories, of, like, whatever. And then, like, he died before my college graduation, and they were at my high school graduation. I remember being, like, I won't take pictures with anybody. Like, mm -hmm. it's my thing. Like, I graduated. And it's, like, why was I doing that? And now I have no pictures of them at graduation. And, like, I was so, like, ignorant to the fact that they could not be at the next one. So I think that really changed things. Yeah. Because then at the next one, I, like, took pictures of literally everybody. Yeah. No, I, I was really stubborn as a kid. Really stubborn. And... I didn't get away with my stubbornness I, as much as other children do, I think, because my parents at the end of the day were like, 
Like I've seen and I've babysat for parents that the parents just let their stubborn child be the boss and it's honestly so unfortunate and sad to me because I'm like that child is not the boss and there have to be rules but like my stubbornness wasn't matched with any sort of satisfaction from that it was like I had to move on from it but my stubbornness was much about like embarrassment like, I was the same way. Like, we were just talking the other day about how, my family and I, about how I had won this award in high school. And it was, like, a state award. And I really didn't want to go. Like, I was begging my parents not to go. They were like, you have to go. You have to go. And I didn't want to go. And I was so embarrassed by being there and I remember I we were talking about it because I really didn't want to go and then my dad who's this giant six seven human being like went to run down the aisle to take a picture and he tripped and he fell like really loudly and obviously and like the announcer like was laughing into the microphone and I was like humiliated because I was like I don't even want to be here in the first place. And it was so bad. And um, the, the point was that I, I think the reason that I didn't want to be there is because I didn't, the award that I won wasn't first place. Like, I can't remember what, I think I was maybe like second place or something like that. But like, to me, like, if I wasn't first place, I didn't deserve anything. And like, I would rather not get something at all than not to get first place, and I was not competitive, and I was not intense about getting first place, like, at all, I was just kind of, like, why are we celebrating something that, like, isn't that big of a deal, like, these people deserve to be celebrated, but I don't, Mm -hmm. and that was something that I struggled with then, I struggled with now, like, we just... Kelly and I just won an award at University of Delaware and, like, the Alumni Association for, like, Most Promising Venture. But, like, someone else tied with us in the category. And I was, like, I we I mean, we didn't go to the ceremony. Like, we didn't go. It was, like, it went from in person to, like, on Zoom and, like, we didn't go. Yeah. Like, I was just, That's like, so wild, this right? isn't, like, special to me. Like, this doesn't feel like anything. Like, I don't. And my parents, like, they, like, sent us, like, this glass, like, trophy in the mail. And, like, my parents were, like, can you please post a picture? And I was, like, no. Like, I can't. It doesn't mean anything to me if, like, but it just doesn't. That's such a high bar, though. Yeah. Which is, but I, and, but I rarely, rarely get first place in anything, which is why I feel like I have. You just did. But it was tied. So? So we weren't obviously the better choice. If we were obviously the better choice, we would have been first. And if we couldn't obviously be the better choice, then, like, we could have. So why were we second, then? Because we could have worked harder. Because theirs wasn't better than mine, either. Neither of us deserved first place. Yeah, that makes no sense to my brain. I was just, like... If they've done everything that we've done, then we're not doing enough. Yeah, I don't feel like that. Also, when I, like, lose, like, an intense part of me is, like, 
then I'm an, I identify with losing, then I will be the best loser. I'm going to own the crap out of that. Mm. Like, huge Islanders fan. We're, we've been great for years. This year we're shitty. And, like, I'm like, yeah, but I love them. Like, right. I will still post about them and everyone's like, they're crappy. Like, why are you, why are you posting about them? Like, because I love them. Like, they're my, they're my losers. Like, <laughs> and I will identify with them because they're mine. Like, so my competition doesn't stem from winning or losing. It, I mean, I want to win and I will do everything in my power to win. But then as soon as I lose, I'm like a sore loser for sure. But then I'm like, I'm going to be the best sore loser. Like, I will prove to you that you uh, would rather me win than lose. You know what I mean? Which is still so competitive. Right. But it's like, <laughs> right, I never escape the competition. But it has nothing to do with, like, being good or bad. Why well, kind you? of. It's like I just make everything good. Why is this water yellow? Like, it's been there forever. I'm going to change that later. It's not going to do anything. I need to get, like, new plants. Okay. It's like flowers. What the? It was so loud. Um, yeah. I don't know. Competition is so... But I, I don't mind... I also, like, think it's... I think I'd make a joke out of anything that, that could make me truly, deeply upset. Like, maybe that's not true actually, but that's not true. Like, some things are just, like, way too serious to make a joke out of them, but, like, when I got, like, persuaded to quit, like, I wasn't directly fired, but I got heavily persuaded to quit my last side job, and I was, it was funnier to me to tell everybody that I got fired. Like, I was like, I got so-and-so because I got fired from my job, and I do that, like, when I got cheated on by one of my boyfriends, like, I've made so many jokes about getting cheated on. And I think it is, like, a coping mechanism, but in a way I do truly kind of find it to be funny. Like, I'm just, like, sometimes things that happen, there's no other way for me to, um, to me to deal with them other than to, like, laugh about it, which just sounds like such a, cle- like, unbelievably cliche thing to say, but... No, I think that's cliche. It's just true, but... When I was quitting slash getting fired, I was like, I'm not the best waitress in the world. Mm-hmm. I was like, I make people feel comfortable. I had a ton of ton of reasons as to why I was a good waitress because that's just my personality to, like, debate and have things on top that I can, like, pull from and use to prove people wrong. But, like, I also was like, I am not the, the best waitress and that is okay to me because that's not what I aspire to be. Right. Like, there are a lot of other things that I'm really good at, but, like, that is not one of them. Yet I'm still comfortable with it being part of my life. Like, I'm still comfortable going and getting another waitressing job or going and being a bartender, knowing that maybe I'm not the best at what I do. With that being said, I have, like, very little experience. But I think in other situations, like... I have to, if I go into a situation accepting that I'm not going to be the best, that I'm perfectly comfortable with never being the best or even being genuinely bad. Mm-hmm. But if I go into a situation hopeful that I can get to the best or I can be the best and I can't achieve it, it's like a constant letdown and like constant self 
doubt and self-criticism. So what is the best name to you though? Because like even when you get awards, you don't want them. And then it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a character flaw. Like I think it's like when Paris Hilton talks about in her documentary that like she was like, when I make $100,000, I'll be happy. Okay, when I make a million dollars, when I make 10 million, 100 million, when I make a billion dollars, and she's like, I'm still not not happy, but like, it's still not enough. And unfortunately, I do think I'll always be that way. And I hope that that's not the truth. I hope that there's like something that I can get to. And maybe it's because I haven't truly really won anything in my life that was like something that I aspired for so greatly. And I feel like maybe if I could do that, then I could feel fulfilled. But I just, I think I'll find a way to convince myself I didn't deserve it or that. It right. So that's the issue I feel like for what I'm, I, you know, well, going back to the idea of like the one thing you want and then you like get it. Like the one thing I wanted was to go to Dartmouth didn't go and then when I got into and it kind of shifted to if I get into NYU that will like feel like this was all for something like we don't feel the void right but that was what I thought in 2018 when I had graduated college and was like I'll prove I'm smart by going to a master's program you know now, 2021, when I got in, because I did a lot of things in between, I didn't feel like it held that power over me. Like, I really felt as though I was going to be okay either way. Okay. And, and I felt much better in that space, obviously, than, like, I did waiting for that Dartmouth letter. Okay. Like, it just ha- it didn't hold any power, because it, it was just... All of these things are just, like, things we're identifying with to make us happy. But if we just make the decision that, like, each day I'm going to wake up and try to find, like, little things to be happier with, it kind of grows into this mindset of, like, this can't knock me down because I have all of this great stuff and, like, other great stuff is coming. Or that's at least in my experience. And, like, I learned so much of that through culinary school because all of these, like, little achievements built up to, like, a really good meal. And, like, that's my whole business model. But I feel like the best example I could give that, like, made me feel like one thing wasn't going to make me happy was learning how to salt food properly, which sounds so weird. But, like, you have to salt it, like, a lot of little times for it to be good at the end. You can't put, like, a lot of salt in at the end and have it be good. It has to have, like, the layers. Interesting. You know? And I think that just, like, speaks to the fact that every day we have to put a little bit of salt in our, like, own pot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if one big handful of salt, then it's, like, too much salt. And also, then why do you want that one, like, moment rather than a lot of little moments? Right, and it'll wear wear down eventually. Like, that... And it overpowers everything else. And, like, 
there were so many other things to be proud of and excited about. Other elements, yeah. Or, yeah, that tasted like better. Like other elements and tasted flavors, better. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And I do feel like I'm getting to a point where I am starting to feel more grateful and not even, like, as I am feeling more grateful for sure, but also slightly putting a little less pressure on myself. Yeah. I, I feel like I, for the longest time living in New York City and having my own apartment, was associated with, like, my level of success. It really, truly did not matter how much money I was making as long as I could maintain that apartment and as long as I could live in New York City and, like, say I lived in New York City on my own, not supported by anybody else. Like, that was my whole... But it meant so much to me. And when I had to leave New York and go home for a little bit, and then I was going to go back, and I couldn't go back right away, like, because I didn't have the money to realistically, I just struggled with, like, what my worth was, what my success was, how I compared to others for so long. And then when I was living with my boyfriend for a little in the city, I felt like, my ex-boyfriend I felt like I was happier but I still didn't I still felt like I needed to get somewhere else and now I'm in this place where I'm like where there's so many things in life that are more painful and more stressful like literally being homeless or in my personal life like dealing with PTSD or dealing with trauma or like whatever it is like those are things that are more stressful or even like when I was suicidal and like I thought about dying all the time and then to come out of that place and feel like okay this is life and for so long I didn't want life at all so to have life and to feel like I want life like I have to stop picking and choosing what makes my life valuable like I have to accept that like there are things in my life that make it worth living and wanting to be alive like as simple as wanting to be alive to me now is something to be so grateful for because I don't think people understand how confusing it is to not want to. So now I'm like, it doesn't doesn't matter where I live. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter who I spend time with. Like, I'm here and I'm happy to be here and that needs to be enough to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not fully there. At all. I have so much work to do, but I feel like I almost just began that journey. Right. And I feel like part of that journey is also like accepting that we might never get there, but like if each day we get a little closer to that, then that's a really positive thing. Yes. And that's always like the end of, you know, the book we just read, or it's like you really just fill your life with as much love and like things that make you happy and like whatever good or bad comes with it is like whatever good or bad that comes with it it's like we talk about this a lot like energy like it's just whatever energy we're associating with it yeah but it's kind of harder to like accept that we have that much power sometimes which is why I think a lot of times people self-sabotage or, like, why mm -hmm. we make these obstacles of, like, I want the apartment, I want this. It's, like, 
because it's easier to be happy than it is to get that thing. In the episode of Succession, I feel like we should wrap up. Yeah. This guy was, like, asking one of the other characters, like, how are you so good at failing? Because it's so easy to be successful. It's much harder to be a failure. And I was like, that's such an interesting concept to me. Like, he was like, I can use analytics and tech to make a product that makes me money really easily and that makes me successful but it's much harder to like be a failure because I'm just not looking at what's in front of me so mm-hmm. how do you do that and he was like I'm not a failure like da, 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 da. and like got all angry and I was just thinking like his mindset is really simple like success is just this thing you can attain happiness is a thing you can attain like the most difficult thing is failure and I love that concept yeah yeah the most difficult thing is failure and overcoming failure and coping with failure. Like, it takes so much more strength as a person to get through disappointment and heartbreak and being identified as something rather than something different than what you'd rather be identified by. Yeah. Or something you make up that you're comfortable with than, like, what you actually are sometimes. Yeah. On that note, that was really good. Yeah. Lily and I have to go. I feel like it'll be really interesting to hear how we got there. I know, <laughs> right? What is the arc of that story? We st- um, I don't even know where we started. Pistachio milk and elevators? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. All right. See you next time. Bye.